Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We are glad to have our ed- educational guru, our expert, Rick Scaletta. He's the superintendent of schools for the General McLean School District. Happy New Year. Good to see you, Rick. Good to see you, Joel. All righty. So let's start with breaking news. Uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Health yesterday updated its vaccine guidelines to add all those 65 and older and those 16 to 64 with high-risk conditions. They moved all those folks to the Phase 1A of the vaccine. However, education workers remain in Phase 1B. Do you have any thoughts uh, on that move? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed in that. You know, not that, that I uh, begrudge that group getting the shots, but I think that uh, vaccinating our people working with our kids every day uh, is is a protection for us and it's a protection for the students as well. And so I was disappointed. And, you know, the fact is that the rollout has been so uneven. The teachers in, in Crawford and Warren County have received their vaccines. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yes. Yes. Because the, what they did was a, a Pfizer box of vaccines has 975 doses. And, and so that's the minimum, minimum they'll send. So when you send that to a hospital like uh, UPMC Hammett, who has 4,500 employees in the Erie area, it does, there's none left over. You send that to same box to Meadville Medical Center, who has far few employers, employees, uh, they have left over, you know, so they got to their 1B group uh, because they were able to take care of their 1A group. So it's it's very uneven, and, and you know we certainly would like to see um, our educators vaccinated as soon as possible. Now um, we interviewed in the like earlier in the school year, two of your school nurses have mm-hmm. they been able to receive the vaccine at least as healthcare workers? Yes, they have. They are in the one A group, and they got their vaccines last Friday. Okay, so but yeah, but still, that's even a good month later than some of the other folks got it. So, okay. So this is going to be an issue. It sounds like to me, um, insofar as that, uh, what, you know, you know, when you're talking about with vaccine, getting your bang for your buck, it would seem to me that you have a lot of bang that comes, uh, when you, when you, uh, vaccinate teachers, like you say, because not only are you protecting the children, protecting each other in, 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 you know, sometimes our close spaces. But thirdly, you are allowing those parents to finally kind of loosen up their days, right? Right. And I, I think that, you know, um, I don't know if you remember, but when we were heading into the school year, there was all this concern that, there, you know, schools would be super spreader events and, it, it, you know, the, the kids would all get it. We have not found that in the least bit. And it's always, almost always going from adult to student. So if you, not adult to student, but adult to, to young person and in the home, we have way more kids uh, in quarantine based on household contact from family uh, than we do from anything happening in the schools. So um, again, I think getting the, the adults in the schools vaccinated is also a safeguard for the students. 
No doubt about it. All right, let's let's get a, a handle on where General McLean is at. Right now, both the entire state, the entire county are in what's called significant community spread, according to the early mm-hmm. warning uh, dashboard. What are is the educational modalities at your buildings? What's your status at GM? We have maintained the same status from the beginning of the year, and that is a hybrid model that uses a half-day uh, attendance, in, in-person attendance. And it has worked pretty well in that um, we've been able to be consistent. Um, we, we went 100% virtual the four days after Thanksgiving of our own accord, uh, which we subsequently learned we really didn't need to do. And then um, we also had the two days, we had a Monday, Tuesday uh, in-person days right before Christmas, and we kept those virtual to give a a larger space between when people would be seeing family at Christmas and when they were in contact with others. But other than that, we've been pretty good with our consistency, which was our goal. And you are doing the synchronous hybrids, right? No, we are asynchronous. Okay. And that's something we keep discussing back and forth. Um, when we surveyed parents in the summer, they, they preferred asynchronous two to one. And some of the reasons for that is if, uh, you know, some, some people, we, we found in the spring when we thought everybody was at home, we probably have a fairly good number of healthcare workers in our district. And, and some of them are, are you know, t- both parents are in healthcare. So uh, what happens is that the, the child will go maybe to grandma's for the day and then grandma doesn't have internet or can't help them with their schoolwork. So then parents want to be able to do that when they get home. And I, I think that's part of the reason uh, people like the asynchronous. Okay. Um, but so what that means is that you're going to teach that group, that cohort for that half day, and then they get sent home um, you know, places to go online to finish the day. Talk about how Correct. that school day goes for the kids. You know, yeah. So they, if if they come, if they're here in the morning, um, and in it's the K through eight is different than high school. So we'll talk K through eight. Yeah. So they would be here, say, just in the morning or just in the afternoon. And on the other part of the day, they would have online work to do at home. So, and what we're focusing on in K through eight, when they're here in our presence is reading and math. Okay, so we're we're really we're really allowing for some of the other subjects to which are not as mission critical. Uh, well, I shouldn't say they're mi- not mission critical, but uh, but they're e- maybe they're easier to do online. Is that what what you guys have found? Well, not, no. The reasoning is that um, in you know we have a saying in education in like K through five we learn to read. And then after fifth grade, we read to learn. So if you don't have the strong reading skills, you're not going to do well in any other subject. So in this time of, you know, having to abandon some things and having to make choices, we've chosen what we think is going to be the most um, transferable uh, across all subjects. Rick Scaletta from General McLean School District is our guest today on the Joel Natale Show. Um, so when you guys look at the early warning dashboard, again, we were, we were told that this is going to be the data-driven tool that will decide decision-making. Um, did, did you ever feel like the dashboard drove 
um, you know, whether you went 100% virtual versus the hybrid versus in-person, or is it more of what's happening on the ground in your buildings and in your zip codes? We have not allowed the dashboard to drive us and we have not chosen any arbitrary numbers uh, to, to make any decisions for us. We are really blessed to have uh, a, an excellent uh, pandemic coordinator, Kristen Donnelly. Uh, she is a nurse. Uh, she has uh, strong connections to UPMC and, and a great source of information for us. And so what she has advised and what we have done from the beginning is we look at the cases that come into us. And what we're looking for is, you know, is there any spread in school? Is there a connection somewhere to what's going on in school? And the answer to that has been no. They're, wow. they're, it's always tied to something outside of the school. So closing down a school makes no sense. It's, it's not really helping anything. All righty. So now there's this new guidance that came out of DOE and DOH about this upcoming second semester and for the elementary students. So for you, that would be at McCain and Edinburgh Elementary. Do you right. uh, think that there's going to be any major change in your modalities uh, for second semester? No, because what what they did was at, at the beginning of the school year, they said if, if your county is in substantial transmission, then they, they recommend that all students be 100% online. The only thing they changed recently was they changed that recommendation to say, put your students grades five through 12 online when you're in substantial, but you could probably bring your elementary kids back in a hybrid, which we have been doing since the beginning of the year. So there, it was really uh, of no impact to us. When we talked to the, to the, the director at the IU5, he seemed to indicate the same thing for most districts in the county or in even in his region that most of them kind of have stayed with the with their original modalities really uh and and mm -hmm. e and that would even include the city district which stayed 100% virtual and now they're starting to think about getting those kids back into school for second semester so um what do you think do you think that maybe that the there was too much uh, there was an overabundance of caution on the state level to come up with these uh, you know low moderate significant uh, transmission rates especially when you're dealing with uh, a semi rural district like you have. Well, I think that you have to remember that Pennsylvania is is a huge and very diverse state. Sure. And when you when you start looking at the 500 school districts, you have everything from you know Philadelphia with 270 school. 72 schools to some districts with two buildings. Um, and, and so I, I think that with this virus being so new, um, I think they went with a, a standard that they thought was pretty safe across the board. Now, I give them credit because all along the way, they have allowed flexibility and local decision-making on that. And, and so, you know, we, we've had the ability to take a look at our situation and say, Okay, I know that's the recommendation, and here's why we feel we don't need to follow it. If in, you know, I think that districts that aren't following it have, like us, monitored the situation closely and have have seen no problems with having kids here in a hybrid. We're talking to Rick Scaletta. He is our guest. He's the superintendent of schools of the General McLean School District. We're talking about kind of the state of of K twelve education in this. In this part of the pandemic, 
you know, you know, Rick, uh, they've they've talked about this being a dark winter. Um, you, let's talk about cases in your building, no matter where they come from. If there's if there's no spread inside the building, they're obviously kids do get sick or your parents get sick, and there's you know there's uh, home spread. Sort that all f- out for us. And what what is that uh, metric that you guys look at? To say, you know what, we really got to shut down a school, or we got to shut down a class, or how does that all work? Because once one kid has could be asymptomatic, doesn't that affect the whole classroom? Possibly. So, first of all, understand that um, when we got to before Thanksgiving and the and numbers were really starting to spike, every county ended up in the substantial mode, and so the the recommendation from the state was to be a hundred percent online. But again, they allowed some local decision making, but they said, all right, look, you, you can decide not to be 100% online, but if you make that decision, you have to sign this form. Yeah, you have to self-certify, says, right? I mean, yeah, they called it an attestation document. <laughs> right. And so, you know, it said that we were going to do things we're already doing, distancing, masking, et cetera. But then it had these charts for school buildings of a certain size. And so what what that sort of dictates is if you have a certain number of kids for our elementaries it's four for our middle and high school it's seven or six it's based on uh size of the building enrollment um if you get that number of kids who are probable or positive who are in the building have to be in the building within a 14-day period then you have to close down for a couple days do the three c's contact trace uh, case manage and clean. And, and so we have encountered that twice. I will tell you, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, being negative about this, but we not, would not have done that if we hadn't signed that form because, um, we did not see a connection within the building. Okay. Right. So, and I can, so since, um, November 29th, I've been, I call myself the Bob Cratchit of COVID. Every day I have, the, I have these charts. Please send one more, crap. one more lump of coal for the eating. That's awesome. All right. You know, let's get our ledger sheet here. Let's get our ledger and, sheet. And so, That's awesome. Um, um, you know, and I'm breaking it down. So for example, since November 29th through January 17th, we have had 250 students placed in quarantine. Wow. Six, 63% of those were f- from household contacts. In other words, had nothing to do with school. 21% were related to possible they, uh, being a close contact on a bus. Buses are, are a real problem for us. Mm-hmm. 1.6% were from a close contact in a classroom. That was four students. And that was those were anomalies that have not occurred since. And then 35 or 14% were from a sports team. We've had two sports teams quarantined. So you see, it's still the, the, the um, bulk of it is quarantine from a household contact. And when you get into to positive cases, okay, um, we, you know, positive, positive and probables, 20% positives were not in the building. Um, and 53% probables were not in a building. So, so most of our activity is occurring outside of the school. Now, we, we have become the de facto health department 
for our school district community because our health Erie Health Department is so overwhelmed and and you know so they got to the point where they said all we can deal with are the positive people. So we have a, a COVID hotline that we ask any buddy in our district to any parent to call when there is a situation. We have three trained contact tracers, wow. and you know we we advise them and help them uh, navigate through the situation, and then every everything is reported to me and. I get my little spreadsheet out. <laughs> my goodness. Well it well it, it would seem to me that that the lack of testing would be a real problem for you because of that huge lag. I mean I mean when I got a test, it took me five days to get my negative result, right? And so yeah. uh, if you have a close contact and you want to get that child tested, uh, how long <laughs> are they waiting and, and you know what what kind of you know, first off, if it was a confirmed positive, how long was that kid at school uh, that they had a close contact with a positive? I mean, all that kind of thing must just be exhausting. Well, that's that's where the case management comes in, and, and we're fortunate to have good people doing that for us. But uh, you have to remember about the testing. Uh, certain tests for people who are asymptomatic are unreliable. Right. And, and I'll give you an example of how that goes astray. We, we had um, someone who, who works in our building but isn't a direct employee uh, may found out they were with a positive person on a Friday. And they had no symptoms, but they got tested on Sunday. That's too soon to get tested. But so the test came back negative. On Friday, they wake Thursday, they wake up and they're like, uh, like cold symptoms, they oh well, I'm negative, so it's not COVID. Friday, the symptoms worsen. Guess what? It, it's, COVID. it's COVID. So, so testing, the timing of testing, and the type of test also have a big impact because some of them just are not accurate if uh, the person is asymptomatic. And that was a full week from the exposure to when they yeah. became symptomatic, and 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 then exactly. and then you've got an issue because they've been travel around with the virus for seven days, which, which right. is, which is Aver crazy. average manifestation of symptoms are on days four to six. Gotcha. On average. Uh, what are you hearing from teachers and staff about all the different changes? Although honestly, your district has been able to kind of stay pretty stable on educational modalities and, and your strategy, right? So there hasn't been a lot of messing around with teacher schedules and so on, right? No, we, uh, you know, I have to give our, teachers a ton of credit. They have been excellent in terms of their attendance. Uh, we, we haven't had, you know, and some districts have had to close down a couple days because of the number of uh, adults that they did not have to keep the building open. We've been really good on that. Um, it's, you know, it's been extremely challenging for them in terms of uh, this new modality of teaching online. I said, it's like, you know, you're a trained opera singer and now you have to make a living with singing heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> And, and <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that, that's my analogy for for what the teachers have had to had to do, and they've been doing it well, you know. Um, so I think that um, overall, we we have been pretty consistent. Our our soup our uh, substitute rate has not been uh, you know out of control. So been moving along pretty well. And again, we we chose to try to do something that we could be consistent with throughout the year and it seems to be working are our districts across our county still experiencing a kind of a sub crisis 
uh, that there are just not enough substitutes that, from when you talk to your cal- colleagues? Yes, yeah, that, that is a problem. Now, one of the things we did with doing the half-day model, we freed up a lot of teachers and they're teaming, it, it, this is at the middle school, they're teaming with other teachers. So if the one teacher is out, the other one is there. Nice. So, so that has cut down, you know, I always talk about, you know, substitute issue is two-pronged, their supply and demand. You know, we keep thinking about supply, but, but if you can lessen the demand, that also helps. We're talking to Rick Scaletta. He is the superintendent of schools of the General McLean School District. When we come back after the news, we're going to talk about all the other, um, you know, vexing situations that come with the coronavirus uh, for any school administrator here. And we're glad to have back with us here Rick Scaletta. He is the superintendent of schools for the General McLean School District. Again, uh, when you think about GM, it's uh, Washington Township, it's uh, Franklin Township, it's the borough of Edinburgh, and you've got, um, you, of course, you got the borough of McCain, and uh, you've got uh, McCain Elementary, Edinburgh Elementary, Parker Middle School, and of course, General McLean High School. And uh, and how, how many uh, students uh, this year in total, uh, total attendance these days for your district? Uh, 2,100. 2,100. So it's one of the larger districts in, in the county and uh, really kind of a nice size. Um, it, but it also is, you know, I would imagine that there are issues because of the virus. So if I were to ask you if there's an aspect of contending with this virus that for you and your staff is particularly vexing, what it seems to be like the, the whack-a-mole of this deal that, that – drives you nuts well i i think it's the the fact that people are in and out so much you know you have have some you know anytime I, we, you have kids in quarantine so they're in class then they're not in class and then in class and then not in class so wow. it, you know so there it's there's not that sense of us always being together in in any way and plus you have only half the kids here at one time and so there's a totally different feel in the buildings and uh in in some way it's sad because we've sort of lost that that feeling of school that camaraderie and it's it's more like we're just a uh, an educational fast food service <laughs> <laughs> well that, no it's a huge that's a huge thing is that that you you have have to concentrate so much on the delivery system that that what's missing is the community part of this we talk a lot about yeah. You know, when you're building a culture in any kind of organization, well, gosh, how many of us remember back to the community or the culture of our own educational experience coming up? Yeah, I think, you know, we uh, I, I know that our, our principal was high, at the high school was having discussion with um, his, what he calls a principal's cabinet about, you know, would if we could return full time fourth quarter. And there were two schools of thoughts on that. Some kids wanted that and others said, no, we've sort of already shifted over to college mode, you know, because they go two afternoons and two mornings a week. And and we've made it very flexible so that we don't have to have a lot of kids in the building. And, and so they've just sort of shifted. And I said, I said, uh, well, you know what about the whole high school experience thing? And they said that ended March 13th. Wow. So that kind of makes your heart break a little bit. 
Yeah, it does. It does. But on the other hand, I, I, I'm thinking, well, this is the coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. You know, this is how they're they're dealing with it and not just, you know, spending all their time wallowing in sorrow. It's like, look, we move on. And and so, you know, it's a two edged sword. It's sad. But at the same time, I, I think it is showing their resilience. I, I read somewhere uh, that uh, the educators uh, across the country are concerned that this could be a lost generation. Do you share that concern? I no, I don't think so. I, I think that um, uh, you know it depends on on a lot of things. We're we're in the middle of our um, assessments that we give ourselves. They're called the MAP assessments, and the one building that finished found that. Um, it was the results were the same as they they would have been last year at this time in in terms of the number of kids that are behind number of kids that are on grade level etc and and as the when the two other buildings finish i'm hoping we find that that same thing so academically you know it's it's going to depend i i think what is going to change and i'm not going to call them lost i'm going to call them rewired uh you know because they they've had if you think about a senior joel yeah 30% of their high school career has been under the shade of COVID, 30%. Wow. So, so a full third of their high school career has been, you know, totally different. Uh, you know, that number will go down with, with each class and, and eventually, you know, there'll, there'll be a group that has the full high school experience. But um, at the same time, I think, I think that what, when we lose things, we always gain new things and, and other doors open. And I just am still pretty impressed by the resiliency that kids have. And, and that's something that, at least for the generation before these kids, you, you know, people were complaining that, that millennials weren't very resilient and they, you know, mm -hmm. they were begging for resiliency. Maybe, maybe this is going to be the, the touchstone for these Gen Zers, uh -huh. right? Well, yeah, you know, I, you know, I've seen some real positive things about Gen Z and, you know, they're into saving money, you know, yeah. and they're looking at the future. And I think there's some real positive things there uh, of this generation that, you know, may be bolstered by the pandemic and things. There definitely are positives. Speaking of money, I know every district has gotten some kind of CARES Act money. How has that been used at GM? Well, um, we, obviously a lot for all the PPE. That's, you know, one, one of the big ones out of the chute. Uh, for us, because we're doing the half-day program, we've doubled our busing costs. So we're putting some of it toward busing. Uh, we put some of it toward curriculum uh, realignment, you might say, um, or what's called decluttering of the cur curriculum uh, over the summer. And... Um, the next phase is going to have to focus on the remediation of, of kids who, who possibly have lost academic progress during this. Do you think that you're going to actually hire tutors or, or you know, be able to pay teachers to kind of do a remediation or summer school? Yeah, we're going to have to do something. We were, we, you know, we started talking about this in earnest. And, uh, you know, one of the things that comes up is summer school, which is a traditional answer to a non-traditional thing. But someone raised the point that I thought was very good. Can we really expect to accomplish anything while we're still in the modality of isolation, masking, distancing, 
while we're still in that modality, are we going to be able to to bring kids along, or is it or is it better that we just put our sights on next year and catching kids up next year? Uh, fortunately, um, the federal uh, money that was just approved is used able to be used until 2023, which I think is wise because it is especially some districts. I mean, we've been pretty fortunate in that um, when this hit, we had iPads one on one-to-one iPads, our, our number of connected families to the internet in the district is relatively high. Uh, so, you know, I think that we were able to um, do a pretty good job with, with keeping kids up, not all of course, but um, it, it is going to take time to get kids caught up. Let's pivot to transportation. You you said that it's particularly difficult for COVID. I think our last conversation, uh, you thought you had a decent solution of Two kids on, you know, on a bench in a bus, wearing masks. Normally, you would have three kids. What, some, something like seventy children? It, but yeah. dropping that down, and you know, hoping that parent, some parents would bring their kids on. What's the status now of transportation? Uh, we still have a lot of parents who have all year been bringing their kids to school, which is great. But we still have, uh, it, and it did hurt a little bit when when we went to half day. We knew. Some parents who could uh, transport both ways can't in the middle of the day. Right. So um, we do have buses where you know we've had to quarantine. It, if if it is a bus even with two to a seat and it's fairly full, not not all our buses are full, but some are. Um, you're looking at about ten kids off the bat on a quarantine. Now, the good news is no one that has been quarantined from close contact on the bus has gotten COVID. Interesting. So it's not, you know, so there's two things you have to look at. You have to, look, when you look at the number in quarantine, some people go, oh, that, you know, that, that's a high number. That's bad. Well, actually quarantine is a preventive measure. So the fact that we're getting people in quarantine is probably preventing the spread. So, you know, you got to look at two things in quarantine. Do they get it? In most cases, no, we haven't had any spread. So, so, so to me, you would think, and you are running the buses with the windows open, right? At least slightly. We, yeah, we're trying to keep them cracked as yeah. much as possible. And so you've got you've got kids with masks on. I mean, I know they're with they're about you know within three feet or whatever. Uh, and you, you, it might be fifteen to twenty minutes that they're on the bus. I'm just wondering if the science is going to catch up one of these days to say, you know, this is a, kind of a safe activity. Well. The, the problem is there's there's medical science and then there's social science and you know oh, I, I think perfect. a lot of a lot of the social science is really what is being taken into account because when you know when they first said if you know masks and, and be six feet apart okay so if if i'm uh no, when they were just saying wear masks, so it's like, oh, okay. So if I'm with somebody who's positive and I'm and we're both wearing masks, it's okay, right? No, you still have to quarantine. Why? Because we don't know if you're doing this right. or you know, yeah. nose is sticking, under, you know, under the chin or what have you. Yeah, yeah. People who let their nose stick out forget your nose has many more receptors for the COVID virus than your mouth. So. Um, they, that one of my pet peeves when I see people with their nose hanging out. Absolutely. Let me let me pivot over tech, to technology. You did have a one to one iPad solution. Um, 
Again, you have some rural areas there. Are are they able to keep up with this? Uh, you know, half half in person, half uh, virtual situation. I'd say ninety percent are okay. Uh, it ten percent will you know will will tell you it's it's glitchy, it's on and off. I, a, a lot have what what we did was we provided iPads with cellular ca- capabilities. Uh, into it that way they're not using a, a mi-fi and that the taxpayers are paying for it for their video gaming right okay, so yeah so it's strictly you know school use by doing it that way um and you know, i think that i think we have about 50 that are using that um effectively and then you know others will you know they'll occasionally report where they have to drive to a hot spot and download and you know in, in most cases people don't like to do this but in most case as a kid if they download things before they leave and then when they get back do the the upload they should be fine that makes a lot of sense and and obviously if they just come into the parking lot of of any of your schools they'd be able to latch onto the wi-fi right with their with their log on Mm -hmm. uh let's talk about sports um have you have you had to have some shutdowns of your teams, and are you happy with the decision making processes by the PIAA? What decision making process by the PIAA? Well, I've just, I mean, they basically have been forward. You know, we're going to do winter. We're going to do we're going to do fall. We're going to do winter. I mean, we had a football season. To me, that is yeah. astounding that they pulled that off. Yeah, I, I don't think they pulled anything off. I think we pulled things off. Um, and I, I really don't think that that there's been strong leadership from PIAA that that recognizes the situation we're in. Uh, I think that that winter, you know, we knew winter was going to be more challenging, and it certainly has been. Uh, we, we had a situation with a, a wrestler who who ended up positive. Um, now the weird thing is, uh, you know, we did quarantine the whole team. He he wrestled with two kids. One did get the virus, and one did not. It, you know, it, it's so weird how how this virus works, and so it's unpredictable. So I, I think the the basic thing with with um, you know sports has been we don't know. Let, let's do the best we can. Let you know take what we know and try to make it work, and and that's what we're doing. And and you're just going to see interruptions. I mean, I think every one of our teams has had. Uh, well, not swimming, but uh, both basketball teams and wrestling have had some. Uh, quarantine level of quarantine, even if it's what I call precautionary quarantine. If if someone has symptoms, but we want them to get tested, we're going to quarantine until we get the results of the test before we spread it. Are, are the basketball players wearing masks while playing, or is that not, not required? While, not while playing, but on the side. Now, is it required? It depends on how you read the the rules. I interpret it as no, because it, it can impede breathing. Uh, and I think it's it's a farce to have them and wrestlers wearing masks uh, while they're competing because they're not going to stay where they need to stay. And you're going to be close enough that, that you're getting, if there's virus there, it's going to come out anyway. So, and What about parents? Uh, you know, we had that, that really horrible, unfortunate thing happen at the McDowell game where the, where the, chi- where the, the student collapsed. Uh, are mm-hmm. parents allowed to be in the vicinity, at least, of these games? Well, uh, with the, uh, <clears throat> the allocation we're allowed to have for people in the room, 
we are able to have all the participants and usually um, two to three people per player. Oh, that's in, cool. In the gym. Um, and, you know, and it's going to depend on the size of the, you know, the gym that the different schools has because it's a 10% limit. Um, and then what we're doing is instead of having them like, you know, all sit on the bench, they, they spread out into the bleachers. So, uh, I want to, I want to ask you about one of your favorite areas, which is arts and performing arts mm -hmm. and so on. What, what do you anticipate this spring for your performing arts students? Well, um, the, the teachers are being very creative and, um, they've, looked at the idea of this is a time to learn about recording. And, and so they're having kids do recordings and uh, sometimes at home, sometimes in the room, because um, we only have small groups. We can't have the full band, for example, in, in the room because uh, of spacing. And then uh, they put it together. Um, our, our choir person, Bruce Yates, has done some magnificent video and sound editing he did a great christmas concert uh, with them he did a great uh uh vocal jazz concert where they you know they did their filming and they did their sound separately and then he mixed it all together um the the musical this fall was your good man charlie brown and the idea was to because it's a small cast and so they did all the recording of the parts and then they got to starting the, the video part. Well, one, one actor gets quarantined for 14 days. A few days later, another one gets quarantined and, oh and, and so goodness. on and so forth. And so it's, it was supposed to be uh, ready in December and they haven't even gotten filming because of these, you know, seemingly um, uh, all these quarantines that have occurred, you know, one after the other. Right. So it looks like it'll be another year without Broadway dinner, I would think. Well, we did um, our high school principal. I give him a lot of credit because it's not easy to do this, but he rescheduled it for the fourth quarter okay. in the hope that maybe things get better or maybe we can do an outdoor performance. That makes so, a lot of sense. Uh, what yeah. was that Tavern on the Green or something like that in, in New York? Right? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you could always pull that off. When you talk to parents, how are they mm -hmm. holding up at GM? Um, I think pretty well. Now, we started in August. I do a weekly FaceTime live for parents, and they send in um, uh, questions, and then, I, and then I answer them. And I, and I think, you know, I know many of them would dearly, dearly love to have the kids back full time every day. We would, too. But it comes down to the social distancing, and and we can't we can't do that. I, yeah. We just don't have the the space to do that. And um, you know, I wish we could. I think that's parents' greatest desire, as it is ours. But you know, what we've learned from this, like I told you, we have had four close contacts in a classroom. Four out of you know a total of two hundred three hundred and fourteen cases. Wow. So. Uh, if we if we did bring everybody back, that number would go up significantly. And then, you know, possibly the, the numbers of infections could, too. I'm not saying for sure. But right. um, so that's that's the glitch there. But I think, you know, I, I have to say our parents have been wonderful. They've been very 
especially kind to me because you know I'm staying on. I uh, I tell you on Christmas Eve my doorbell rang and I went to the door. There was nobody there. It was this big basket, and it had some treats and it had cards from parents and wow. kids at the uh, elementary school. And it was just really neat. Last question for Rick Scaletta from General McLean. You're hanging in till June. So how? what is your status? I mean, are, are they going to find somebody to replace you? Or And, and, and how about the, the idea that this is the, the final year where you're dealing with uh, this particular stretch of your leadership gifts? Well, I tell everybody, Joel, this year I'm not in public education. I'm in public health. it's true it's true i mean it's been a totally totally different job so from that perspective uh you know i I think if i was doing the same thing i I did the last 10 years as superintendent it would be a little more monotonous but but there's it's been challenging and and i think it's been um you know it's sometimes actually enjoyable to be able to help out in this situation uh they just uh posted my position again uh today and we hope that you know they'll have somebody appointed by April, and then whenever that person can start, uh, if not, uh, you know July first would would be the latest. But I've come to call this this time my bonus period, or as one of my musical colleagues called it, my coda. So <laughs> absolutely, repeat the second verse. Rick Scaletta, yes. <laughs> the superintendent of schools for now at the General McLean School District. Thank you for sharing uh, and your candor. Uh, it, it just really helps us to understand, you know, some of the pressures and some and some of the successes that are happening in our K-12 schools. It's really wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joel. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.